Thanks, everyone, for joining us for season two of the Hospitality Hangout. This is a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, also known as the Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my friend and partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as our Restaurant Guy. Thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy, and to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind the Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to let our listeners know that at the end of the show today, we're going to have a very special invitation to share uh, with our audience, courtesy of our guest, and we think we're going to like it. So we are very excited to introduce our guest and our friend and industry leader, Alex Kanner, CEO of Ordermark. Alex is another industry expert who has successfully merged his backgrounds in hospitality and tech, and we can't wait to get the conversation started. Alex, we'll let you take the lead. Give us a quick background about yourself, about Ordermark, and of course, Candor's Deli. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for having me on the show today and happy to join you in this this conversation about our, our devastated industry today. <laughs> um, I'll give you a quick background. So I grew up actually as the fourth generation of Candor's Deli here in L.A., Uh, It's been in business for a little over almost 90 years now and was started by my great-grandfather. My grandfather grew up working in the business. My dad took over out of high school and I I as well grew up very hands-on in the family business, working my way up through all the different positions and was responsible mainly for just adapting the business for the next generation, bringing in all the right new technology and, and just kind of proving the family wrong that innovation is good. (laughs) Um, And uh, along along that journey, I became very passionate about helping restaurants to transform um, their business from brick and mortar to digital and came across the right people at the right time and and just ended up starting uh, this company Ordermark in 2017 to solve a problem that I was experiencing firsthand, uh, which was that all of these online ordering companies were designed independently. Uh, none of them spoke with each other. And in, in my family's business, we had nine tablets, two laptops, and a fax machine to manage all those incoming orders. Tablet and, hell. Yeah, it was it was the tablet hell uh, that everyone's familiar with. And, and we really just wanted to take a step back to reimagine the whole online ordering experience from scratch in a restaurant, uh, giving restaurants a single device that they can manage their entire delivery business from. Uh, that means all the orders coming in, one menu, one report, um, to look at all of your your orders in one place. And uh, the business has has definitely um, evolved over the last couple of years. We're now, you know, continuing to to focus on ways in which we can drive incremental order volume to our restaurants. and and we power delivery for over five thousand restaurants nationwide today. Well, thanks for that, Alex. And from one restaurant guy to another, it's great to have you on the show. Let's give another shout out to Canner's Deli. I've been to uh, California, Los Angeles a, a gazillion times. My brother lives out there. I've been to Canter's many times. Love it. Fantastic. And what a great story to hear a restaurant operator, uh, fourth generation. You just don't hear that very much. And it's incredible um, to have you on the show and, and speak to a guy who's been around for as long as you have in the family business. Let's start off the conversation by sharing, how did you transition? You talked about your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your grandfather, your father, you, you worked your way in. How'd you transition from running a restaurant to becoming a tech guy? I know you touched a little bit about on it there, but give us a little bit more. I know you had tablet help, but then what else got you going into tech? Yeah, well, I, I had always been interested in, in entrepreneurship and, and innovation. I, I 
went to college and studied economics and entrepreneurship. And I, I really, you know, every year um, growing up as, as a kid, I'd, I'd go to the, the local restaurant expo here in LA or in Anaheim. And I would run around like a kid in a candy shop, just signing up for everything that was available. Um, I, I definitely used Cantor's as, as a playground for experimentation. And, and mm-hmm. I've tried a lot of different types of restaurant technologies and um, marketing tools. And um, was I actually brought in the first point of sale system in, into the business. I think I was 16 years old at the time. And we... That was big tech back then, I'll bet. You know, we're a very old school business. When you walk into Canners, it kind of feels like it, like you're walking into a time machine. The cash register was from the 50s. Yep. Um, a, a lot of stuff about, you know, it's it's definitely one of those places that's stuck in time. And so for me, it was striking the right balance of, of keeping the, the ambiance um, to what it was and not taking away from from that experience, but, but just kind of layering in um, technology on top of it and I really enjoyed it, and I wanted to. I wanted to get more involved in helping not just my own family's restaurant, but other other restaurants around the the country as well. And and so that kind of led me uh, to this path of of following this 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 business opportunity. And 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 we immediately, you know, when when we started the business back in 2017, um, we built the first version of the product behind the deli counter. We were very hands on. You know, trying to trying to solve the actual um, problem in the in the place that it's happening, and and everything that we do is really from a restaurant operator perspective, and uh, I think that allowed us to immediately find something that had product market fit, and uh, and we've we've kind of been heads down scaling ever since. Thanks for that, Alex. And I, again, Shats and I particularly love working with people who cut their teeth in the industry. Shats and I were both started as bartenders. Um, and I like to say I've had every job in front of the kitchen. But then again, I, I then moved off into a financial world before returning to hospitality. You know, as the finance guy of this company, there's no doubt that Ordermark, first and foremost, is recognized uh, as one of the industry leaders in the uh, integrations and online ordering management space. Um, and you touched on the really addressing the issue of tablet hell, uh, which for any operator that has an off-prem business, you know exactly what we're talking about. But sticking with my finance theme, you know, read an interesting article, um, you know, at Forbes, it talks about how if you want to, you know, forecast on the future of the restaurant industry is often the case, you got to follow the money. So I'm sure you're exhausted of talking about the following, um, but there's there's no way not to share uh, with our audience and to congratulate you on the closing of Ordermark's recent 120 million funding round led by SoftBank and Act One Ventures. So congrats on that, and we know from previous conversations, you know the funding's going to be used, uh, you know, for you to help restaurants, and you really do bring value and help them transition to online ordering during this COVID crisis, which is again beyond a Category Five storm. Um, and then you know once this is over, you're going to continue to help restaurants, but we'd love to know more about the funding or to the extent, you know, what, what it's done for your company and, you know, kind of what do you see coming down the road uh, now that you are certainly um, one of the, uh, a, a very well-funded uh, online integration and, and, and we're going to talk about a little bit your virtual restaurant concept. Yeah, well, first of all, um, it, you know, this year had a lot of uncertainty um, within it, obviously, when, when stay-at-home orders started to go into effect, there was a lot of speculation that restaurants could be wiped out this year. Uh, I was seeing stats that 50% of restaurants might go out of business in 2020, which 
was a very scary moment for for the industry. I mean, it's obviously not over. It's 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 devastating what's happening, but ultimately the solutions and the product that we built was specifically designed to help operators in this time. You know, many brick and mortar restaurant businesses are still making the transition to to reach customers outside of their four walls. It's kind of like the e-commerce phase of the restaurant industry happening before our eyes. And a lot of the momentum that was happening and that we expected over the next 10 years of, of the shift to digital ordering was just completely hyper escalated to happen within a matter of months. And many restaurants started scrambling to figure out, you know, how do I get into an omni-channel delivery program um, that is not limited to just one or two online ordering services? There are a lot of restaurants that didn't feel like they needed to, to even do delivery in the first place. And then, you know, starting in March, they were scrambling to, to be live on a lot of these services and platforms. And um, we, we got busier than ever. Um, the team really stepped up and handled the, the, the massive surge of inbounds that were coming in. I think we signed up over a thousand new locations in, in March alone, um, which, you know, just kind of shows you the magnitude of, of how many restaurants were, were, were making this, this shift. Mm-hmm. And we, we had a lot of momentum um, in terms of, of growth and and this this financing round really allows us to to continue to double down on what we're doing here and expand and scale the team and and work to support as many restaurants as we can and make an impact to help them keep their doors open and actually have a very profitable sustainable delivery business long term and that's where we're really investing in right now is just figuring out you know how do we make that impact um, we are doing a lot of work now in the virtual restaurant space um, where we are we are building brands um, with the intention of layering into uh, to the existing restaurants that have extra capacity in their kitchen to handle more volume. And that is by far the most effective way that we found to, to make an impact to these restaurants during this time. So that's, that's where, you know, that's where we're looking at how we can be the most impactful that we can be to these restaurants. I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I want to highlight and talk about Next Bite, which is that uh, virtual restaurant concept you have. Uh, first and foremost, um, Schatz and I and, and Brandon are of the opinion that COVID um, has changed very little. And uh, while everyone's rolling their eyes at me right now, um, but we think it's accelerated everything. So to your point, what would have taken years for the industry to start adopting and consumers and customers to start adopting has now been consolidated into a matter of months. Um, you know, one of the hot sectors of the, of the industry is clearly the ghost kitchens. Um, and that's a big heading, as is often the case. You got to drill down a little bit and, and really kind of get your hands on what that really means. There is the whole kitchen commissary. And I guess I like to refer to it as the we work for kitchens where restaurateurs take space in, in, in factories or, or warehouses um, and basically run a commercial kitchen for their delivery uh, platforms. That's one part of the business. And it's got a big CapEx association with it. Uh, there's also the virtual restaurant concept. And at Branded, our number one rule of working with a company is they have to be hospitality centric, which we define as being you know, on the side of the owner and the operators. Um, and that's critical. We think NextBite represents that type of company um, in the virtual restaurant space. And, and maybe if you wouldn't mind, you could share, you know, 
not just uh, the, you know how next bike came to be, but why you agree with me, which I'd be surprised if you didn't, that you really are next bite is uniquely on the side of these owners and operators and how you differentiate yourselves, uh, let's say from some of the peers, uh, some of your competition out there. Hey Jimbo, before we jump into uh, hearing about next bite, I think you brought up some some a lot of terms, and I think for our listeners, it's a little cloudy. Alex, can you just help us understand a little bit about people talk about ghost kitchens? cloud kitchens, virtual kitchens, mobile kitchens, commissary kitchens, and they use it interchangeably. And and some of these names that I just brought up are literally companies. I mean, cloud kitchen is actually a company and ghost kitchen is a company. So can you just, in your words, what's a ghost kitchen? What's a virtual kitchen? What's a cloud kitchen? Can you give us a little bit of differentiation or, or, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a very important industry lingo to get right. So, so a, a ghost kitchen um, or a commissary kitchen or a cloud kitchen is, is essentially a facility that is designed to s- specifically to house delivery-only concepts. Sometimes there's an option where you can walk up and place a pickup order, but we're talking about you know very tiny kitchens that are specifically designed for a takeout off-premise business with no dine-in. Um, a lot of these these types of facilities like Cloud Kitchens, Kitchen United, Zool, Colony. Right. Okay, um, good. Mm-hmm. These, these buildings are are kind of like that shared kitchen space uh, WeWork style model that you, that you mentioned where um, there are some shared resources, trash pickup, um, dish cleaning services. There's, there's, there's like a, a handful of, of amenities that come mm-hmm. um, for, for the operators within these facilities. And these facilities are, are a great way for a successful brand to expand their digital footprint to cover a new delivery radius or territory. Um, it's, so it's that's often, really a shared kitchen, right? So that the, really the better vernacular would be shared kitchen. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's uh, a shared kitchen is a great way to describe it. Um, Got it. It's really just a commissary kitchen, though. It's, it's a commissary kitchen with a place for drivers to come pick up food. <laughs> right, um, exactly. And, Very and then, different and then, from your next um, yep. And then I'll define real quick what a virtual restaurant means. To yeah, me. no, take so, your time. This is this is the, the meat and potatoes here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so a virtual restaurant is just a restaurant that only exists online. There's no physical brick and mortar store or restaurant that you could walk into with with mm-hmm. you know with with the name on it. But a virtual restaurant can actually either exist in a commissary kitchen or out of the back of an existing restaurant that has extra capacity. There are, there's this new approach that restaurants are taking to reach more customers, which is um, lighting up an, a new virtual restaurant brand that's running out of their existing kitchen using the same staff, the same overhead. And it's just a, a way for a restaurant to hit a different audience or a different type of menu um, that is available on Uber Eats or DoorDash or Postmates. Mm-hmm. And, Drivers are going to pick up food from, you know, these restaurants or facilities and the end consumer who's ordering on the the platform. um, Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they don't even know where this food is coming from. Um, It doesn't specifically say that it's, you know, coming out of a a certain restaurant, but Mm -hmm. at at Canner's Deli, we actually launched um, our first virtual restaurant back in 2018 called Grilled Cheese Heaven. Um, It was my first experimentation with, with a virtual restaurant brand. And the reason why I chose grilled cheese sandwiches is because the food costs are very low, sometimes 
cost a dollar to make a grilled cheese sandwich and we were able mm-hmm. to sell it online for 10, $11. So, um, very easy to reproduce. It was ingredients that were already in our, our restaurant's kitchen. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and drivers just started showing up and picking up orders for grilled cheese heaven. Um, instead of putting it in a canner's bag, we're putting it in a, in a blank bag. <laughs> right. It didn't right. Even have any, any packaging on it. And it started generating an extra 25 to 30 orders per day, which translated to a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in, in incremental annualized revenue. Right. Um, and, and I think the most important part to understand here is that um, the way that it works for Cantor's is that the rent is already fixed, the lights are already on, the staff is already in the kitchen, whether we're doing one brand or two brands or five brands out of the same kitchen. And so really the profit margin on these incremental orders is substantial. It's more than um, what restaurants have ever seen before. It could be in the 30 to 40% range. Um, when, when you're reaching a, a whole separate and new audience. And that's, that's why it's so powerful. Got it. So, and that's, so now that dovetails into, uh, I think what Jimmy was alluding to is a little bit about uh, NextBite. And can you explain everybody to our listeners a little bit about NextBite and this new initiative you've started? Yeah. So NextBite is a, a portfolio of delivery only restaurant concepts that we've specifically designed um, to offer to restaurants as a, as a turnkey way for them to light up their kitchen with more orders. Mm-hmm. Um, so many restaurants, as you know, have extra capacity to handle more order volume. Um, there are right. obviously, even in a pre-COVID world, there were certain days or times where, where it's slow. And we sure. built NextBite um, to come in and, and offer our restaurant partners a way to layer on top of their existing business a chicken sandwich concept or a grilled cheese know, concept. Yeah. A Mac and cheese brand that we've right. already built specifically with delivery in mind, um, with lower food costs, with, um, a, a whole, uh, proven, you know, marketing program with beautiful pictures. We do all the work to, to actually turn these brands onto Uber Eats and DoorDash and Postmates and all the, all the platforms, and we are basically allowing these restaurants to just cook the food for these brands that are already um, out in the market. And, and it's, it's, it's a proven process that allows these restaurants to just layer on top of their existing business. And um, we, we brought this to market at the end of 2019. And obviously, when COVID kicked in, it accelerated um, the creativity of restaurants to understand that like maybe they they can handle you know additional orders um we're working with some restaurants that that were not really specifically designed for delivery like picture a steakhouse um, a steakhouse totally has the, the capacity and ability to to be a great fulfillment partner for one of our burger brands like crave burger and mm-hmm. th- they're able to reach a whole delivery audience by leveraging the existing capacity that they have in their kitchen. And that's, that's the beauty of what we're doing. We're going into restaurants and enabling them and allowing them to just turn this on um, in a very um, non-disruptive way. We understand that um, restaurant operations are already complicated. Um, and, and the way that we design these concepts and menus are, are very simple to reproduce. Um, the food is food that they can get from either Cisco or U.S. Foods or whatever supplier they're using. Right. And we do all the work to generate the demand for them. They just have to put their heads down and make the food and drivers just start showing up and picking it up. 
Thanks, Alex. I appreciate all that, particularly um, you kind of addressing uh, the universe and, and putting some definitions and clarity around uh, the ghost kitchen, virtual kitchen, as Shachi just alluded to, shared kitchen space, et cetera. Um, sticking on the finance topic, th there's nothing easy uh, in the hospitality business. Uh, we're, we're, a, we're a relatively small margin, tight margin uh, industry. So we're always thinking about the costs um, and, and where the break-even point is. For the owner-operators who listen to the podcast, and we're very grateful that uh, so many do, what advice uh, do you have for operators who are not yet active in the space and, and they want to be, they want to move into uh, this virtual world. But what advice can you give them um, how to keep costs down, uh, where are you seeing success and, and, and how are you going to convince this audience uh, not just to come into it, but come on to next bite? I'd say we give them Alex's cell phone, Jimmy. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> well, that's easy. Yeah. You know, a lot of restaurants are hesitant to explore a second brand or a, you know, a fifth brand out of their same kitchen because it's a little bit overwhelming to even imagine how it would work in reality. But when you think about it, like it's, it's really not that complicated when you're dealing with a, a five item menu or something that can be produced really quickly. And the way that we've designed our technology with OrderMark is that we give restaurants the full flexibility um, to go in and actually pause service or 86 items off the menu across all of their, their different platforms that they're using so, you know, if, if, you're if your core restaurant, which is your main focus, is getting busy or there's a line out the door and you want to focus on your own brand, uh, we give you the power to, you know, very easily be able to toggle on and off um, the, the incremental orders from the virtual brands. And that's, that's, that's a really important piece to all of this. It's, it's very hard to do virtual restaurants without the technology um, that we're providing through OrderMark in the first place. Um, but either way, I encourage all restaurants to try to think about what a virtual restaurant can do for your own um, bottom line. And um, whether you're using a Nextbrite uh, portfolio concept or trying something on your own, um, now is probably the best time to get started with this as more and more people are interacting with restaurants differently. It's, it's, it's a time where when people are hungry, instead of going to a restaurant, they're opening up Uber Eats when they're hungry browsing through and seeing what they're going to have for lunch. And if you're not listed on these apps, you just don't exist to the people who use them. And by creating this digital real estate, you're now an option. And if you're, if you're building a menu or a concept around a very specific item, you might capture a whole different audience than what your own restaurant is, is doing in the first place. It's incredible, Alex. And it, I can't help to think um, that talking about all this, the, it sounds like a lot like e-commerce. It sounds a lot like when I hear about, you know, Casper with mattresses and Warby Parker with glasses and, and Allbirds with sneakers and these direct-to-consumer kind of model that we've all come to know with the bonobos with pants and there's a sock guy i forget that one and they come up with an idea and it's all this direct to consumer i can't help to think is is that what's going on with restaurants that it's just it's just a, a virtual brand and and there's no storefront no brick and mortar and i could sit at home and just order something and and is that where we're headed do you think this is going to be the future of, of restaurants? I mean, absolutely. It's already happened. <laughs> it's, um, that's what's making all of these, these virtual restaurant brands possible is that the way that um, restaurants are interacting with customers has changed. I mean, mm -hmm. when you think about um, retail and, and what happened with the e-commerce business is that 
once people were used to online shopping, all of a sudden it, it allowed an opportunity for brands to emerge in a digital only format without having any physical storefronts. And that is essentially mm -hmm. what a virtual restaurant is. Um, it's just, it's looking at the idea that, that consumers are now interacting with restaurants differently and opening up all these opportunities and, and new ideas and concepts that can be possible now because of, of the infrastructure that's in place from a delivery standpoint. And I, I would not be surprised if the next McDonald's or Domino's pizza is a virtual brand, just like Casper came in and completely disrupted the, the whole mattress world. And obviously yeah, no doubt. they've moved into brick and mortar because they've had so much success and they, they have right. real brand awareness. And, you know, that's also possible too, that virtual restaurants, that are successful may end up opening up physical locations in, in flagship locations as well. Yeah, well, thanks for that. Listen, it's a great way to dovetail into our, our newest segment called Top of the Tech Stack. Uh, we've been talking to operators over the last couple of weeks and just discussing all the different technology. And, you know, you're very active in the space. We're very active in the space. If you had to give our listeners as a restaurant operator and a tech guy, what do you think the most important right now, the number one piece of tech that an operator should be looking at in his tech stack right now? If you had to, if, if you have to get one or two things, what is it? Oh, it's an excellent question. Um, I think at, at this point, you know, a couple of years ago, the conversation at all these you know, restaurant conferences was, is delivery a friend or a foe? <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. should I do it or not? And now it's kind of more, how do I do it successfully? And not if, so, it's how. Yeah, it's, it's not an option anymore uh, right, for right. any any kind of restaurant. Um, even the, the highest end restaurants, Michelin restaurants are doing takeout. Yep. And so, you know, I think what's important is once you embrace that, that idea, I think the biggest advice that I can give from a technology perspective is that you should, as a restaurant, you should take an omni-channel approach and try to be on every platform that consumers are using. Um, even the local online ordering companies really do matter too. Um, yep. Like if you're a restaurant in in Boulder, Colorado, um, believe it or not, the number one online ordering platform is Hungry Buffs. Also, DoorDash and Grubhub and Uber Eats are relevant, but you need to be thinking about all of the ways in which you can reach audiences and customers because so much of the business right now is dependent on these channels. And now is the moment to, to really look at all of the options that are available and relevant in your zip code to reach customers outside of your four walls. And by the way, that, that includes not just the, the delivery platforms, but um, in a pre-COVID world, there were many different catering third-party mm -hmm. marketplaces sure. like Easy Cater, Foodum, right. Pal, Eat Club, Choose. Um, all of those are, are important to generate order volume for you. And even the gold bellies of the world where you can do frozen shipping of mm -hmm. specific products and get it to people who don't even live in your city. Um, these are all different channels that you need to be looking at today. Great advice. I dig the answer. And I got to say, a little bit jealous that uh, Shatsy got the uh, the new top of the tech stack section. A little jealous. I'm uh, not going not gonna to lie. All right. That's okay. I'm not out of the park, I got to tell you. I, I got to tell you, you and Alex crushed it. I, crush and now it. I get stuck with the uh, the, the antiquated ball, crystal ball. ball moment. Moment. All right. All right. Let's do it. Alex, this is a segment we actually came up with a little ways ago, kind of by accident. We put somebody on the spot. 
And then, um, you know, lo and behold, we came up with our crystal ball moment. So I think you've actually touched on it. Uh, just to make sure we have you uh, logging in this uh, this Kreskin or Miss Cleo uh, hat moment. How do you feel or how do you see the restaurant and dining industry two years from now in relation to online ordering and hospitality in general? So two years out, what do you think we're going to see? Well, you know, I think I hope that um... – more restaurants can open up again, um, at least a part of their dining room. But the reality is, is that this is this is the future that we're living in now, where people are going to be interfacing with restaurants differently. Even when some of the restrictions get lifted and the vaccine comes back, um, I don't think restaurant traffic will ever be the level that it was at one point. I foresee a lot of business travel not being the same, a lot of offices not going back um, to to. to to a central office location, which, you know, supports restaurants. And, and so I think restaurants have to think about and, and accept the fact that a digital strategy is the future. And this was already something that was happening, as I mentioned, over the course of many years, but it's been hyper accelerated. And now um, there are a lot of people, first of all, the ordering demographic pre-COVID was mainly 18 to 34 year olds. That has opened up um, significantly since in a post-COVID world where even my grandpa has the Dash Pass now and he's a power user of DoorDash. And he said, you know, like he's never not going to be using DoorDash even when things start to open back up again. Now that he's discovered it and he realizes how easy it is and he can click a button and get his favorite sandwich delivered, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, why would so he I, I think because the audience has opened up so much, um, more and more people are just interacting through these channels than, than they were, and, and that will continue to remain the same even in a in a post uh, vaccine world. So, I would say start to don't look at this as a temporary situation, and start to embrace the fact that um, there are great strategies to to remain relevant, to, to keep order volume up, and to operate in this in this new reality. Yeah, it's it's. Listen, I agree with everything you're saying. I think uh, I'd like to be a little bit more optimistic than you, so I want to bring us into the uh, branded quickfire segment. Bring us back up. I think that uh, hospitality is going to come back strong. I think travel is going to come back strong, and I think at the end of the day, people love to interact and love to go out and love to be with people. I think online ordering was was killing it before, and it's killing it now, and it'll still be part of it. But I think at the end of the day. Everyone needs to eat and drink. We're just probably going to do it a little differently, but I don't think that market's changed. Uh, let's get into the branded quick fire segment. Alex, we're going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. Don't be nervous. Are you ready? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Number one, this is probably going to get you in trouble. Pastrami or corned beef? Uh, pastrami all the way. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Um, I'm actually ordering in uh, from Ms. Lala, which is my favorite Israeli local restaurant here in LA. All right. Shout out to what was it called? Ms. Lala. Ms. Lala. Shout out. What is your favorite food city in the world? Tokyo, for sure. Tokyo. Look at that. Never would have guessed that. When travel resumes, where is the first place you want to visit? Tokyo. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to have a whole other segment and find out why Alex loves Tokyo so much. But we can't do that now because we have one more question in our branded quickfire. This is the big one. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a game of the original Nintendo Super Mario Brothers, who would you have better odds of beating? 
I would destroy both of you. Wow, look at that. <laughs> huh? Destroy both of us. All right. I respect it. I, I actually, I sensed that answer was coming our way, and I, Alex did not fail to deliver. He's like, he's like, I'm choosing Shatsu, Jimmy. I'll, I'll take you, you I'll both. I'll you both. I mean, I guess I have yet to win any one of these uh, last, the, the, this question five is always one of these challenges, Alex, and I have yet to beat Jimmy at any, and, and, and you kept it going. You're getting better, Shatsu. You tied on that one. You're yeah, tied. I tie. I, that, tied. Tie. that is better. It's, it's, it's a win for you. Listen, uh, Alex, we want to thank you uh, so much for joining us uh, and, and for all your great insights. Uh, we appreciate uh, the hard work that you and your team do to support the industry, uh, not only during this, uh, this really most challenging time, uh, but always. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, to our listeners, uh, at the top of the show today, uh, we said Alex had a special offer uh, to share with you. So Alex and Ordermark are offering five $500 towards your first month of inventory when you get started with a new concept. Please note. Wait, good what was concept. that? Wait, wait. Can uh, you read that again? Uh, Alex Ordebar. $500? $500 of, 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 uh, towards your first month of inventory uh, for one concept on their platform. Is Alex uh, drinking? If you sign up already? by the end of the year. Got to sign up end of this year. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Alex directly, even though Shat's tees are going to share his cell phone number, we're not going to do that. But if you want to get in touch with Alex directly about Ordermark, about NextBite, or about taking advantage of the offer he just made, you can email Branded. You email us at admin at brandedstrategic.com, and we'd be happy Happy to make the uh, connection uh, to Alex and his team, uh, admin at brandedstrategic.com. To our listeners, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to tune in with us. Uh, we know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and the fact that you choose to hang out with us is something we value and we appreciate. Uh, please join us next time uh, as we welcome industry leader and one of the most influential women in the food service uh, business, uh, Ms. Kimberly Grant, uh, currently uh, with the Fast Acquisition Corp, previously with Think Food Group, uh, tremendous person, influencer, and we're excited. Another, another A guest, Jimmy. Yeah, we are all about the A-listers now. Angle. Yeah, hospital. I mean, Alex canner kimberly grant we had andrew smith i mean i gotta tell you it's incredible i don't yep. know how we're doing our first season our first season people uh memories like the corner of my mind okay finally if you haven't already uh uh, done so please subscribe to our podcast you don't miss out on all the exciting guests we'll be having in the future and better yet invite a friend to hang out with us uh the next time so uh, until then, we appreciate you uh, listening. Alex, again, greatly appreciate your time and effort and, and joining us. So for Jimmy Frischling, uh, your finance guy, and now to my partner, Michael. Thanks, Jimmy. It's uh, Shatsy, the restaurant guy, Hospitality Hangout, signing off. Again, thank you, Alex Canner, Ordermark, Next Bite, Cantor's Deli. If you haven't been there, go get a pastrami sandwich or a Reuben right thank away. Thanks for having me. Yep, appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.